0: listening
1: to another great podcast in the stoplight network it's time for a late night tech fan it's tech fan number 57 with tim robertson and mark greentree where'd david go And welcome to Tech Fan, episode number 57. Now, I had originally talked to David uh, at the end of episode 56 about when we were going to record this show. The problem was, here in the United States, we have a holiday which is called Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving uh, happens the last Thursday of November, or the 3rd November, whatever, uh, 3rd November... Jeez, I can't speak at all tonight. Well, see, that's the problem. I'm recording this at night, and I'm totally not used to recording a podcast at night anymore. So David couldn't come on on Friday because for David to come in, uh, my wife has to take the kids and leave. And that would have meant leaving on Black Friday morning. And there's no way in hell I ever could have convinced her to do so. So David and I were going to record the show Wednesday. Wednesday. And unfortunately, um, on a personal level, I, I had a, a real tragedy happen in our family. My brother-in-law passed away. He was a uh, police officer in Texas, and uh, he uh, was in great health, 51 years old, or 52 years old, I'm sorry, and uh, he uh, he had a heart attack playing racquetball and died, and uh, the whole family is just devastated. And... You know, especially being real close to the holidays, it kind of puts a... uh, an even more of a rough spin on things. And so my wife and uh, three of her sisters drove down to Texas. And we live in Michigan, so that's, you know, 2,000 miles or so. And she left today, today being Tuesday as I record this. So obviously my wife wouldn't be here to take the kids anywhere on Wednesday and I didn't want to skip a week. Uh, although obviously I, I would have been justified to do so, but it, it kind of helps me get my mind off of just a really, really well shitty week. And so I thought, ah, I'll record an episode. So I put a call out to, uh, we have a internal mailing list at the spotlight network it's for the people who podcast. And I also sent it to the MyMac staff members. And uh, there was a couple of people who were interested, but only one who showed up. And uh, his name is Mark Greentree. And for those who are familiar, he is the host of Not Another Mac Podcast. He records in Australia, and it's uh, the next day there. Hello, Mark. How you going, Tim? It's uh, Wednesday here, in fact. It's uh you know that that whole international dateline always kind of confuses me sometimes.
2: You should try booking my show with three different guests: some in London, some in the United States, and even in the US, you've got different time zones. It gets really challenging.
1: Is there only one time zone in Australia? The, no,
2: there's two. Uh, there's one for Western Australia and uh, sort of a little bit south of the country as well, uh, and. Well, actually, no, there's really three, I suppose, because Queensland, which is is the next state going north, uh, also has daylight saving uh, times in different time zones and and sort of an hour difference with them. And then the other side of the country is three hours difference. But it's not that big a deal, I don't think. Um, I, I seem to find a little more confusion with the way the U.S. has it. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) I, 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 Am I correct in saying you work in two time zones as well?
1: I do. I I live in Michigan. We're in the eastern time zone, but I work in Chicago, and that's an hour behind. And they do... That
2: that must be entertaining, trying to tell the wife I'll be home in half an hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, if I... Yeah, It, it takes about three hours in really nice, easy weather and good traffic for me to make the drive. And, you know, wintertime, that makes it a little bit longer. Uh, I've had it up to six hours before. But thankfully, I have podcasts to keep me company. And obviously, you know, I, Tech Fan is a technology-related podcast, not another Mac podcast. I have no idea what the topics are. The, the name doesn't give it away at all. Um, no, not really. <laughs> but, you know, I don't just kind of concentrate on tech podcasts. Uh, I like all different kinds of podcasts. I think, you know, if you just concentrate on one thing, I think that gets a little bit boring, a little bit repetitive, especially, um, on a week to week basis. There's only so many new stories people are talking about. So I like to shake it up a little bit. And I'm kind of curious, um, what other podcasts do you like out there? Are you just a tech guy? Is that's that's the thing I'm just you listen a to? tech guy. Yeah.
2: And you know what? I'm actually, I was going to ask you the same question. What podcasts do you listen to that aren't tech related that perhaps me and the listeners uh, could actually adopt?
1: Well, there's a lot of them actually. Um, and I don't want to go into all of them. Let me fire up my iTunes because that's probably the easiest way to go through them. Hopefully GarageBand won't just quit here on me because I've got a lot of things running on this computer. Um,
2: I I've got a recording going from my end as well, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good. <laughs> we might need it. Uh, probably the one that I listen to to really get my mind off of whatever's going around I just want to laugh is the Adam Carolla show. Very vulgar. Uh, I cannot listen to it when the kids are in the car at all, period. But I, I, I generally do enjoy the show. He gets a little whiny, a little bit preachy sometimes, um, but... F- Overall, he has some really interesting guests. He has some really—he's really good as an interviewer. He asks uh, interesting questions, and it's not—he doesn't always take the conversations where I think it's going to go. So I like that one a lot. Um, probably my favorite podcast right now, and it has been for quite a while. And it's—it's it's not long enough, and it doesn't come out um, as often I was as I would like it to, but. I like stories. I like people telling stories and I like them if they're true stories. And it's a podcast called the moth podcast, M O T H the moth. And it's these live events that they happen. They have, and they have themes. So one could be despair or one could be, um, um, flying. I don't know, whatever the the theme happens to be. And they have different people get up there and they relate their stories. And there's a couple of rules. You cannot have any notes. There is a set time. You, can, you have to do it depending on the, you know, if it's in Detroit or New York or what the night is. It could be 20 minutes, it could be 15 minutes. But you, uh, you get up there and it has to be a real life story about you. And it's just amazing. I mean, some of the stories, uh, there was a stand up comedian who was a up-and-comer, and his uh, his small child got cancer. And at the same time that happened, he was getting his big break on The Tonight Show. And he relates the three times he was on The Tonight Show and how that corresponded with what was going on with her, his daughter. And it was just gut-wrenching. It was... it his the way he told it was especially and i know i know you're a dad as well right
2: that's correct too
1: as a father we can relate to the health of our children that you know how important that is to us and it was just gut-wrenching what his daughter was going through and what was going on in his life at the time um and I listened to that driving from between our Chicago and our Villa Park, Illinois store late at night because I, I worked late that night, and it was just dark. It was cold, so my windows were up, and I had the heater on. I couldn't hear the road noise really well. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic at that point, and I'm listening to this, and it was just it was spectacularly moving. It was so sad, but yet so inspiring to listen to. Do you know You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it, it's, it just touches pod- you.
2: I, I look at podcasts as being traditional radio. I don't know if you would sort of compare the same. I
1: don't, uh, because it's not traditional radio. Agreed.
2: Uh, it is different. But it, when, when you talk about being able to deliver a story, for mm-hmm. instance, um, you know, that used to be something that would always be on the radio in, in time gone by, but uh, now... You just don't see it. You just have music playing and then just people talking in the background and advertisements all the time. So it, it's good to know that there's some podcasters out there actually producing really high-quality interesting material.
1: And, and this is definitely one of them. They had uh, the surviving member of... Do you remember Millie Vanilli? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I don't want to remember them, but <laughs> I remember them. But everybody remembers. <laughs> and uh, I, I had no idea. I didn't know the guy's real name. So when I saw that he was doing the story on there... It was just the next episode that I hadn't listened to yet. And he gets on there and he says, you know, I was in a group. Uh, You probably know our biggest hit. And he he goes, you know, I start singing a little bit. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the guy from Millie Vanilli. And then I remembered, wait a minute, the other guy died and he committed suicide or something. And he related the story of Millie Vanilli. And it was very, very interesting. Um, But most of the people that do the Moth podcast aren't people you've ever heard of they're just everyday people and they tell a story from their life and for the most part it's just really good really good stuff uh i i was 10 years old in 1980 and i was 20 years old in 1990 which makes me uh, a 100 percent child of the 80s so uh, a show i've been listening to since oh god it's six years now is stuck in the 80s i really enjoy that um hmm there's a lot of I I like the talk show Uh, John Gruber and and Dan Benjamin although I can't listen to it when I'm sleepy because they will put me to sleep they have this kind of monotone quiet just the two of them and uh, makes me fall asleep but the conversation that they have is just fantastic Uh, comedian Larry David or I'm sorry Larry Miller Um, you remember the movie Pretty Woman?
2: Yes I've had to watch that a few times with the wife
1: you remember the uh, bald guy in the store who has to suck up to julia roberts uh vaguely very vaguely um well that's larry miller you've seen him in a lot of things you just don't realize that's who it is and he has his own show and that's very entertaining so those are some of the ones that i like to listen to um which uh which tech podcasts are you into
2: Well, everything on the MyMac, which is now Spotlight Network, of course. Spotlight Network. All of our own shows. Uh, I do catch Mac Break Weekly, uh, although it sort of disappoints me a little bit. It it went off for a few years, and the conversation and the the topics weren't so good, and they they got a little bit too long. Well, I think they're. Unrelated topics.
1: Yeah, the problem with the whole Twit Network to me is I used to listen to them religiously, but then it became, I don't know if you know this term in Australia, but inside baseball. where
2: I've heard of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, they're talking about what they talk about and who's on the show, and that's what they talk about. There's no real topic sometimes. And some of the, quote, experts they have are anything but. And But really, my biggest beef is Andy Anaco, for the most part, is a very funny guy and he talks over their heads so often on that show and the people that he's talking to simply do not get the reference that he doesn't fit on the show at all uh he he's he's playing in the major leagues and they're still minor league players and yeah
2: you sort, you sort of say that he definitely leads the show and uh it, it's almost time i feel for him to branch out into his own show i know he's got one on I, I believe the 5x5 five five network now but uh, certainly it, he should be the host of MacBreak Weekly and you know, I, th- I think Leo's done a great job but unfortunately he mentions Android a little too often on that show which is a, a shame and uh, a couple of the other ones that I listen to is the No cast uh, love Allison's show. It's very, very interesting each week. I also check out the Tech Lounge, which is a, another video podcast with a, a roundtable feel, similar to my own show. Uh, and MacBytes is another one uh, from the UK. Uh, Mac Geek Gab, I See I Shoot iPhone, which is Steve Stunner's show. Yep, that's so, a good one. Uh, you know, that? that's just a You know another one? Literally a ton. Uh,
1: somebody that you've actually been on his show... That I listened to it, I really enjoy. It's called the Teacher Cast.
2: That's right. I, you know, Jeff would kick me for forgetting to mention him he's a good <laughs>
1: friend. <laughs> he, I actually listened to uh, because he he's still considering joining the Spotlight ne- or Stoplight Network. I don't know if uh, that show will or not. I hope it does. But I decided, you know, before I actually talk to him, I should listen to the show so I'm a little bit familiar with it, so I don't come at him with uh, you know from a position of ignorance and. I have to say i was uh i'm not an educator but i do have kids being taught in school so i have at least a passing interest in education Uh, i was a horrible student in school just terrible Uh, i couldn't wait to get out of school um but a lot of creative people are like that i hear that often from creative people that they didn't do well in school and i absolutely didn't my head was in the clouds i was thinking of other things usually creative things, not math, not science, not spelling or English. I was thinking about something else. In fact, I took a lot of classes in broadcasting so I could do what I'm doing right now. And I really—I—I started listening to this one episode and I thought, I'll listen to it for maybe 10 minutes. And I ended up listening to the whole thing and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, if, if you're an educator, the teacher cast is definitely a good one to listen to.
2: Yeah, he certainly does a, a good show across there, and I believe he's about to release, a, a teacher cast app. He's already got one at the moment, but he, he's done a revision, and he's got all of my feeds going through this app. I, I'm he's actually sure he's got he, your feeds as well, Tim. Yeah,
1: he's got the entire spotlight. Or, I keep saying spot. See, this is what happens when it's going on <laughs> nine thirty Eastern Standard Time PM, and it's been I've got little sleep this week, to be honest. Well, last night. Uh, see, the the thing is. I took this week off Mark as my vacation and my wife was very excited that I was going to take the week off. We'd get to spend time together. Cause when I work, uh, I stay in a hotel in Chicago. So I'm literally gone three to four days every week. And that puts a lot of pressure on my wife to be home with the kids, just her. So, you know, taking this week off, it's a holiday. Uh, I was going to take the week of Christmas off as well. Um, she was looking forward to what I was too, And then the family tragedy happened. And then, you know, I, I give her credit. I, I don't think I'd want to drive to Texas right now. And, uh, she didn't hesitate. She just went and not a lot of sleep last night. A lot of, uh, tears, a lot of communicating with family members. So I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Not that that's an excuse for my, uh, <laughs> poor podcasting skills tonight, Mark, but it is a reason.
2: That's all right. You're, pod- you're podcasting me with uh, with me, Tim. So I'm i even making mistakes too. <laughs> we, well, we have no idea what we're doing.
1: No, absolutely not. Well, that's what a little inside baseball right here. When when uh, Mark came on tonight, I said, "There's no topics. It's
2: <laughs> yeah, which isn't necessarily good. I, I have a whole spreadsheet." And I I get the guests to actually do, as as Gaz calls it, homework. And I actually get them to write in what they want to talk about, and then I collate it and write up a script and and try to actually sound like I know what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) I I try that a few times. It just didn't work for me very well. Um, But everybody's different. You know, when I started podcasting, Mark, there really wasn't any other podcasts, very many anyways, out there that I could kind of take my cues from what's good what's bad there i mean it was all so fly by night um just just do it just start recording and, and kick it out there um and i was fortunate that i had a partner early on who made me a better podcaster simply because of his intelligence and uh his passion and that was chad perry um but, you know, it's one of those things, you, you said it, it's kind of like radio, I, and I said I disagree, mostly because there are rules in radio, and terrestrial radio. There are no rules in podcasting. Um, we own our content, for the most part. I mean, when I was doing the OWC stuff, I didn't own that content. But for the most part, we own our show. It's, it's our show. Any show on the Stoplight Network, the person doing the show owns the show. Well... For the most part, <laughs> yeah, and, technically, and, you know, I own the MyMac podcast and I also own the At Minute podcast, but I don't do those shows. But I turn those over to people and let them do whatever show they want to do. It's just like, yeah, go for it, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to tell absolutely. you what to talk about.
2: But that, that's half of the uh, the big positive. you know, with my decision to join the Stoplight Network, and uh, you know, previously uh, the MyMac.com podcasting network was purely because. You come at this approach. This is your show. I don't want to get involved with it. I'm not going to tell you to change or to have certain guests on, or you have to play this hard, or or this or that. You leave it up to us. Well, know, with the understanding that provided, we don't go into profanity or or. You know, well, I
1: don't of, even care about profanity so much. Just uh, the the X rated stuff. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want my name associated with pornography. You know, absolutely, um, but one of the reasons one of the reasons i started the my mac podcasting network other than the fact initially that we we all of a sudden started getting a lot of shows and it's like oh, maybe we ought to kind of have this banner that they all kind of fall under um really harkens back to the beginning of podcasting and that was podcasters would play promotion promos from for other podcasts on their shows and it was a really strong kind of community feeling to podcasting in the early days. And we're talking 2004, 2005, even going somewhat into 2006. And it was, um, I, I'll give you a prime example. The first podcaster was Adam Curry because he pretty much invented podcasting. And I know some people will disagree with that, but I was there. I saw it unfolding. Adam Curry gets 98% of the credit for inventing what is known as podcasting there was internet radio yes but that's not a podcast regardless um he had a show called uh oh why am i drawing a blank now um anyways doesn't matter his show was the big one right and he played a lot of promos but he was very selective so chad perry and i recorded a promo uh we used this audio from a jerry seinfeld movie And we cut it up, and we put it together, and it came out, we thought, really well. Um, The Source Code. That was the name of his podcast, by the way. And Adam Curry played our ad, and then he talked about our ad afterwards. And it just, it was so exciting. We were so pleased. And we got a lot of new listeners because of that. And I thought, that's what podcasting should be. It should be, hey, if you like this show, go check out that show over there, too. Because I, I, so, there's a few people out there only listen one or two podcast tops, and that's it, but p- I think people are always looking for other shows to listen to. and if they find another show that they really like and they find it because of your show, I think that makes them like your show even more. you know with that. and, and that's to me that's what it's about. It's about a community. It's about, hey, you like my show, go check out Mark's show. Um, because it's not necessarily the same topic, but the same sensibilities, you know, and, uh, it, we're not building NBC here. We're not building a, 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 the twit network, something like that. It's a bunch of independent podcasters that promote each other and eventually will play ads and, and make a little bit of scratch on the side. And that's all it is plain and simple. And I'm very glad that you're part of it.
2: (laughs) I love being part of it. And, uh, you know, even as a reviewer for MyMac.com, absolute pleasure to uh, work with you, Tim.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk to Mark about how he got involved in podcasting. Hit on a few of the topics that we talked about, David and I, last week. And we've got some uh, feedback from Scott Wilsey. I literally called him out on the show and he sent some feedback in. And Mark wanted to talk about that as well. And then the uh, last subject we're going to talk about in the third segment is uh, the internet, websites. How important are they to companies? We'll be right back. It's Tim Robertson, the Tech Fan Podcast. And Guy from the MyMac.com Podcast. And Tim, I got to tell you, I have a problem. Just one? Because I could give you some suggestions. (laughs) No, not those kinds of problems. Well, what is it then? Well, the Spotlight Podcasting Network has all these great free podcasts but it still costs money to produce and upload them. Yeah, tell me something I didn't already know. I'm the one paying those bandwidth costs. I just wish there was an easy way for listeners to help without it costing them anything. You know, it's funny you should say that, because there actually is a way they can help, and it won't cost them anything. Tell it to the mountain. Well, when you're going to shop this holiday season at Amazon, just go to MyMac.com first and click the Amazon button. It's over on the right-hand side of the page, right underneath where it says support my mac then buy the stuff you normally would have it's not going to cost you any extra money but amazon's going to kick a little bit back our way and that's going to help us pay for all the great podcasts that's part of the stoplight network so if you don't mind MyMac.com, click the amazon button Go to Amazon, shop as you normally would. So just go to MyMac, hit the Amazon button, and shop as usual? Man, that sounds really easy. That's all there is to it. So will I finally get paid for podcasting? Uh, How much do I pay you now? Nothing. Oh, well, double it then. I knew this would pay off in the end. MyMac.com and Amazon. The perfect start to the holiday season. back podcast tech fan number 57 that means we've done 57 of these i am tim robertson he is mark greentree he is the host of not another mac podcast but you've also got a website mark
2: I do. I uh, do a little bit of blogging, and you know what? It, it's called Everyday Max Support, and it, you can find it at everydaymacsupport.com. The funny thing is, when I first started putting some information out, it was all about me supporting people. And, you know, I was going to do remote support online and, and so forth, and boy, has that changed. And I know, Tim, we've had a discussion in the past how when you start something, where it ends up is completely different. Oh, you never know. Much- you never know. Me. And I'm actually struggling with it. I'm thinking, you know, I don't give Mac support, man. People actually email me now asking for Mac support, and I feel bad when I have to say, look, I'm sorry, but I don't actually give it. You know, I'm so busy uh, doing all this other stuff. Um, so I do hints and tips on my site anyway. So that is a little bit of, of support. And uh, I primarily do writing uh, reviews now for my Mac.
1: Yeah, you're kind of a big time reviewer at my Mac. Yeah, I mean, We've got uh, 15 reviews at this point or so? Uh, Up to 20, 21. Wow, there's a 21, wow. About four months, I think. Um,
2: so, yeah, you know, you and, and John have been absolutely superb all the way through, uh, hand-holding me, especially John. He, uh, he's he got to put up with my bad punctuation and wacky paragraphs, as I call it. So <laughs> John, I feel sorry for him. John,
1: John is Nemo. Uh, John Nemo, he is now the new host of At Minute, um, so if you want to hear John and you want to hear who we're talking about, check out at com, and you'll find the latest shows there. As I record, there's two episodes of the new At minute and I can't wait to hear what John's going to do next. I think in that short form podcast um, talking about products and stuff. I think that's just so in John's wheelhouse and uh, he really does have the best interests of the listeners. And when he does reviews and stuff, the readers. He has their best interests in mind. And, Mark, to me, that's the sign of a good reviewer. And uh, that's why I really like your reviews. It's not just your opinion, you really put it out there whether this is worth spending money on or using or not.
2: I always like to play devil's advocate. As you know, Tim, sometimes we'll get apps and and uh, books and so forth that maybe not be completely within our interest and that we wouldn't necessarily pick up if the companies hadn't asked for a review to be undertaken. Uh, so I sort of myself into it as if I was someone who would actually want to use this app. And if it doesn't meet the requirements, it's getting a poor mark, unfortunately. If it doesn't, and many of the apps I've been lucky uh, have been just superb, then you know they get close to top scores, and even a, a couple have had 10 out of 10s.
1: Well, you know, your your show is called Not Another Mac Podcast, and your website is has Mac right in the word, right in the name. But yet, a lot of your reviews are about uh, iPad apps. Where's your main interest now? Is it Macintosh? Is it iPad? Or do that's you a, even put a distinction? That's a question. Is, is, you know you, I, is there a distinction a between those two? I mean, is it is it the same thing at this point? I mean, yeah, it's it's different, but yet, is it the same? And It's really
2: hard to answer. And I did have this question posed to me uh, by Scott Willsie, actually, last time he was on my show. Uh, Everybody's know, but two, on your show, but me. <laughs>
1: I know, I know. I've
2: got to. And tell that's you my down. fault. I'll, I'll get
1: someone that's, to tell you down. It's, it's totally, yeah. It's totally my my, my schedule is crazy.
2: We'll, we'll aim to get you when you're on Christmas holiday that's for sure. So uh, anyway, no. Scott Wilsey was on, and uh, he said to me post show because we had a show just solely about iOS, and I think we had an iOS app developer on that show as well. And he said, you know, when do you think? that all you will be talking about is iOS and, and not the Mac. And I, you know, I was a bit taken aback by it. It was the first time that that had sort of been presented to me. And I got to thinking, well, you know, that's where the development is. Um, if I consider where the, the Mac is going maybe five or ten years down the track, I consider perhaps that the Mac will actually be running a more advanced version of iOS. And rather than going to Mac OS 11, uh, Will be seen iOS as the desktop uh, sort of user interface. Like you know, maybe we won't. Um, I don't feel that there's enough room for two really good, powerful operating systems though. And I think Why? Apple's pushing.
1: <sighs> Look, I, I Apple's the like... biggest company in the world as far as revenue. They they can hire from a monetary yeah. standpoint, anyways, the best of the best. And they can easily have two OSs running at the same time. The problem I've got with the two OSs running at the moment
2: is that not a lot syncs up seamlessly. We're we're looking at iCloud being the next great thing. I feel they dropped the ball a little bit there.
1: I still Uh, haven't got iTunes Match to work it still doesn't I, work I, for me I, I,
2: you know what I've been arguing <laughs> with everyone over. listen is this just promoting piracy or not and I, I know we're scrambling everywhere now but um, you know there, there's questions and I, I look at things like FaceTime I, I had two FaceTime calls this morning and you know a couple of times I wanted to just you know, paste in a link of something that I was discussing. It's like, why can't we have iChat, FaceTime in the one app, and have the same app matched on on the iOS devices as uh, as it is on the Mac? And I, I think that's just it's going to separate the two systems. Until such times, Apple really integrates them tightly. You know, one of the worst things is, uh, you know, writing a, a review and say, Pages, uh, and then wanting to do a bit of editing on the iPad, and then wanting to bring it back and finalize the editing on the Mac. It's just so clunky. You've got to log into iCloud.com, download, upload. Uh, and, and this is stuff that Apple just... You know, it, it's one example, but I just feel that they're doing this right across the board and, and almost separating them and not integrating them well enough.
1: Well, do you think, though, that that's more of a, a statement on the infancy of iOS? Look, where was the Mac OS uh, in, the fir- in five years? That would have put us in, in 1989. And that's where iOS is right now. It's where the Mac was in 1989, if you give it five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, <laughs> iOS is <laughs> leaps and bounds over what the Mac did in, in a very small amount of time. We're only five yeah. years into this OS, and do you think it's the default of the OS, or you just think that we're just such early adopters that this is just moving so fast that nobody could keep up? Where it's going yet?
2: I think it's very hard. Um, you know, I'm sure Apple has plans of where they want to take it and what is going to be the premier operating system. Um, you know, it. I just don't think it's ready for. It, I certainly don't think it's ready for creators yet. You know, we still need to have the Mac platform. Um, to do that. And I don't know if it ever will be. Um, but, you know, Apple changes things. They, they give us stuff that we didn't know that we needed or had to have. So you've almost got to think, well, you know, if they keep pushing in this direction, we'll adapt, we'll learn, and, and we'll do things differently, even if we don't realize it today.
1: Well, you know, the first time I saw Mac OS X, uh, the 2000 Mac World Expo, I was in the audience, and I, and I saw and I heard all about Unix. And as an IT manager at the time, it scared the hell out of me. I didn't want to learn Unix. And the first couple versions of Mac OS X were miles away from what the classic Mac, Mac OS 9 was. It was so much, Mac OS 9 was so much better. It was so much more robust. Uh, things just worked there. And I knew how to fix things there as well. Um, And it really, to me, Mac OS X really didn't come into its own until 10.4.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Or or 10.3.9, actually, Mm -hmm. that patch was pretty solid, I found. It
1: was, but 10.4 added a lot of the things that just under-the-hood things that really needed to make development work. Uh, Mm -hmm. And at that point, most third-party apps were, were done with classic applications, and they were pretty robust programs. They really did take advantage of a lot of the core functionality of the OS to give us the best working experience. But that being said, again, going back to iOS, it's just the infancy. This is so... I hear a lot of people complaining. And I, sometimes I just want to go, just give them a little bit of time. I mean, this thing is so brand new. You know, you, you got to let it mature a little bit because... It's going to get better, and I agree with you. There's going to be more of a melding between the two, but there's only so much you could do with a touchscreen that you can't do on a computer and vice versa. Long-form writing, you can't do on a, a, a flat piece of glass. You need textile feedback. Um, web browsing is so much better on an iPad than on a computer. Um You think? Oh yeah, it's closer to you. You're it's you're more intimate with the pages. It's right in front of you. It's much more portable. I
2: actually find it worse, um, but maybe I well, find that's it worse only because. because
1: I go, sorry. Go ahead. I can, well, I was going to say that's I, it's worse because you're going to sites that were designed to be used on a computer monitor, not an iPad. Very true. And again, that goes back to the maturity of this technology. That look, browsing the mobile, browsing the internet. Using a mobile device, i.e., a handheld telephone or a touch screen computer, uh, six years ago didn't exist. And what was out there, everyone had a little flip phone that had a little button that said web. It was a joke. You couldn't use it, it it was totally useless. Apple was the first company to really give you um, 99% of what the web is on a mobile device, and that was Mobile Safari on the first iPhone. It it actually worked. You could actually read and look at websites on your phone. First that's one to flash. really do it. Well, <laughs> but that's dead now. Yeah, that, well, it's dead. Yeah, so <laughs> so much for that. Um, but other than that, I mean, you could actually read websites. You, you could go into the crapper and spend fifteen minutes catching up on your news. You could go you know, to I've CNN. Never, never and, yeah, you've never. <laughs> no, no one ever takes their iPad or their iPhone in the bathroom with them. Um, (laughs) I do all the time. Um, You know, and here we are five years later. And it's so much better than it was just five years ago. How fast this is happening to me is mind-blowing. I mean, when we started podcasting, was 2004. That was three years before the iPhone came out. I had already been podcasting for years and had paid ads running on my shows before the iPad even came or the iPhone even came out to me. That's, it's, that's a really short amount of time. And yet people just want to complain all the time. It's like, man, just look, there's things I don't like, but you got to let some things go. You got to realize that the company's making these products. I'm not talking about just iOS here either. I'm talking about Android. Uh, I would be talking about HP if they would have made a stupid decision. Um, you know, it, it's just crazy. Um, but it's, it's happening so fast, and it's just like everybody wants to complain about everything. What we're doing right now, Mark, with these mobile devices, is friggin' magic. It's magic, yeah. dude. If you could go back 10 years with your iPad... And show it to yourself 10 years ago. Were you into tech 10 years ago?
2: I was, yeah. Okay.
1: Imagine yourself 10 years ago with that experience, handing yourself then an iPad. It it would be freaking magic. You'd be like... It suddenly would. This, this, is a hand, this is in my hands. The display is better than any computer you've got. I mean, think about it. 10 years ago... The,
2: CRT screens and yeah, I they, they were pretty nasty unless you you paid a lot of money and got like a, a nice big Sony Trinitron
1: right and you know it's, it's a touch interface it's very fast over Wi-Fi uh, if you get a 3G connection you don't even have to be on a, a wired network you could be in your car in a parking garage and browsing the internet and it's not just the internet on there it's all these games it's all these apps it's your music, it's your calendar. And if you've got a phone, if you've got the iPhone, it's a freaking phone. It's magic. And people nowadays to me, I think, are just so jaded and just don't realize the magic they're holding. It's it's a freaking magical device. It's amazing. And yet we're all like, oh, it doesn't do that. Shut up. It's magic.
2: <laughs> it's magic. I, I do that all the time on my show. I, I, I whinge and carry on and I rant like hell.
1: <laughs> you do. But at the end of the day, it's magic. How How, the, I, how these Comes devices. It, it it It's just every day it's just magical. And we just totally overlook that, I think. I think our, not necessarily our generation, but the generation after us. Are going to be so spoiled my kids everything's going to be a touch screen there's just going to be wherever you're at you have all your content all your movies all your music all your books wherever you're at they're with you whatever you want to watch is streaming jealous of them don't you well you know (laughs) it's like that with every generation i remember walking in the winter time over to my girlfriend's house in 1983 with my Walkman and my dad going, I can't believe you're you're walking and you're listening to music and it's the middle of the winter time and it's not even the radio; it's just your own stuff. Because when he was growing up in the '50s, there that was unheard of. So every generation has that, but oh, it just seems like this generation right now just too much whining going on and not enough appreciation. Of just the magical things in our lives right now. And that's what these things are. They're just, it's just freaking magic. Dude, right now you're in Australia. I'm in the United States. We're talking now, of course we had telephones back in the day, but no telephone sounded this good. You no, know, we
2: can record it and we're and recording a it show and pump it out. It's incredible. Right.
1: Three hours from now, people all over the world will be listening to this conversation. That's magic. That's magic. It's it's unheard of. Radio you know what, you, you has get never used had this to it, We do.
2: You take it for granted. That, mm-hmm. that's the problem. And you know, when when you're talking say IOS, you look at it, it's five years old and you don't really think about that because you live with it each and every single day. So you just you get used to it, you expect it to do a bit more, but you don't actually realize until someone like you has actually brought up hey this is you know a baby just growing up kind of thing
1: and it really is it's it's the ios the android the amazon fire look i'll be as critical as anybody else i do product reviews myself not as much anymore but um and i can be just as critical on on products as anybody maybe more so because of how long i've been doing this since 1995 um but that being said i I would like to spend more time just marveling at this these magical devices more often just just touching them and using them and thinking this is just unbelievable it's just unbelievable and and appreciating what we have occasionally rather than just bitching of what we wish we had
2: yeah, I wonder if time changes this too. Because what you're talking about, I used to experience back in the '90s when, you know, the next edition of a computer was, you know, often, you know, a, a fair, you know, six to twelve months down the track, and they were very expensive. So it'd be something that you'd aim for, and and sort of I call it jewel over, um, because you wanted the latest and greatest. And and now it's sort of come down in price. It's more affordable. More people have it. I don't know if that changes perception, but it just feels like it might.
1: It does, I think, in some respects. I also think, though, computers have become more of a commodity. We don't shop by specs anymore, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that own an iPad or an iPhone have no idea what the, what the processor is. They don't know how much RAM is in there. Uh, they know how much stuff they could put on there but not really. They just know it's getting full or I've got a lot of space. When people buy computers nowadays, I don't think they're saying, um, well, what's the difference between a 2.3 gigahertz i7 and a 2.7? I mean, it's a huge difference 15 years ago. I mean, a, a difference between four or 500 megahertz would be astronomical. Now, the difference between... Two or three hundred mega uh, megahertz, nothing. We we don't even think about it. it. We we shop by price point now, which is the Mac I can afford, or I want a laptop, but I want to be able to carry it, so I guess I'm going to get the Air. So what what's my choices in the Air? Well, uh, the 11, the 13, and maybe possibly a 15 if they come out with a 15 MacBook Air. That'd be nice. Yeah, but but they're not shopping on how big is the hard drive, how much RAM, what's this processor speed? We don't do that anymore. I mean hardcore geeks like us, yes. We we, we pay do. attention to that. <laughs> but most people now, they don't. They don't pay and attention don't to think,
2: that. I don't think they need to either. If you look at, you know, the entry level MacBook Airs, or if you look at uh, you know, the, the iPads or even if you look on, on the Windows side of things as well. The, the basic entry-level equipment is pretty good these days that, you know, for the average consumer who's maybe taken a few photographs, doing a video once a year, twice a year, and just doing an email and web browsing and maybe a bit of word processing, they are so powerful that you won't even use the, the dual cores, let alone the quad cores, to do half of that.
1: You know, uh, my day job, I sell Mac computers. And I had a customer in maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, and she started asking me very pointed questions on processors and ram and I was answering her and then she kept asking these questions finally i said you don't really care and she says what do you mean i said and she was coming from a g4 desktop right she was looking at a macbook pro and i said all you care really about is do you want a 13-inch or a 15-inch screen? Here's the two screens. Which size do you want? Because all things being equal, either one of these computers, doesn't matter which one you buy, is literally 900% more powerful in every regard than the computer you have right now. You can get the low-end machine and you would have absolutely no concept of uh, you know, megahertz and RAM and it would do every single thing that you want to do And then some you'll take advantage of 15% of the capabilities of this computer over the next three years, four years. And at that point you're going to want to buy a new one because you'll see another one that looks really cool. And that's what you're going to want. You don't really care about all the specs. And she kind of looked at me and she goes, you're absolutely right. I really don't. But these are the kinds of things that when I bought my last computer, I needed to know. I said, right, but this is a different world. So do you want the 13 or the 15? She said, I want the 13. I said, great. Rang her up, and I said, I'll see you in four years when you decide to get a 15. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's just different now. And by the way, she was extremely happy. She loved dealing with me because I cut through all the BS. You know, and that's important to me. So, on the last episode of Tech Fan, David and I were talking about the HP Touchpad and how I'm still getting emails from HP about... Check out the new apps for your touchpad. And he was telling me about HP reaching out to developers to develop apps for the touchpad. And my point was, what the hell are they doing? This is a product they, they canceled. They decided they're not going to make these anymore. Are, are they schizophrenic? What the hell is going on? And but isn't
2: that the same company that wanted to get out of laptops because well, they want to get uh, out of the PC business. They
1: said, they said they want to get out of the PC business and then they come um, back. Are
2: they, aren't they still the biggest manufacturer of PC uh, wise in the world at the moment?
1: They at the moment. Yes. Uh, that's probably going to change in 2012. I think Apple's going to overtake them. Um, now that I'm selling them professionally, I know they definitely will cause I mm-hmm. sell, I, I can sell like a am no <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, it's I I do think Apple will overtake them this next year, if not twenty twelve twenty thirteen, unless something catastrophic happens at Apple. But I I can't imagine what that would be or that it would actually happen. Um, I don't I, I don't know I, I don't understand what's going on with HP, but we do have some uh, feedback from another podcaster in the Stoplight Network. And uh, that's Scott Wilsey. Let's uh, play his audio clip here.
0: Hi, Tim and David. This is Scott from Pocket Size Podcast. And on TechFan56, you were, as we all are, somewhat despairing of HP's yo-yo act with the HP touchpad. It kind of reminds me of a scene from a certain movie. Only maybe instead of What About Bob, they could make a new movie called What About Touchpad? You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone.
2: Is this some radical new therapy? You
1: see?
0: The thing that amazes me most about this whole saga is that now if the HP touchpad isn't dead, they're doing a horrible job of communicating this. I mean, seriously, what they need to do is plaster the you know, newspapers, the Internet, TV, YouTube, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, Google+. They need to just plaster the Internet and every other media available to them with detailed information on why the HP touchpad's not dead, what they want to do with it, what their plan is going forward, what developers can do, what consumers can expect. They need to just let the rain pour down upon us with information about touchpad. They need to just make us sick of hearing about it. But after what they did before, it's the only way anybody's ever going to know that it's even alive again. They have failed more miserably at communicating what they're doing with an existing, apparently products than any other company i can think of
1: and of course that was scott willsey from pocket size podcast on the stoplight network i don't know what do you think mark we'll get used to the name yeah i will (laughs) it's gonna it's it's gonna (laughs) take me a while and i'm the one who i mean i invented the name (laughs) so it's really bad when i when i have to like uh what is the name of it again oh i don't know you (laughs) invented it retard maybe you can (laughs) um I think Scott's right, though. Uh, Yeah,
2: I'd agree with Scott as well.
1: I don't know. I I think HP really had the chance to do something kind of special, and they really just kind of dropped the ball. But they didn't ask my advice ahead of time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, your your review kind of killed it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I said in my review, in all fairness, I actually said... I think it's it's like what at the time sixty percent there, which still that that last forty percent to get it up to the iPad level that's a big forty percent, but and and this is a good uh, example. Just this week, my kids have been playing Angry Birds on the touchpad. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and and uh, well, they wanted to play it on my iPad, but I was using it, and so my eight-year-old said what can i is angry birds on the touchpad oh crap no there's really nothing on the touchpad let me let me jump i hp sent me a 50 dollars gift certificate to buy apps and i hadn't redeemed them all well i I think about one game for like 6.99 need for speed or something like that so i jumped on the hp store and sure enough there's a couple different angry birds up there same ones that are on the ipad so i bought them and put them on there and They've been they don't know the difference. I mean it, it plays exactly the same as it does on an iPad. And uh they're happy with the device. It's as far as they're concerned, it's practically an iPad. Except at one point, and this was just last night, uh, right after dinner, my daughter was playing on it, and she says, Can I use the iPad? I said, No, you're using the touchpad, use that. And she goes, I don't like the touchpad, it doesn't work good like the iPad does. <laughs> yeah, and, that's
2: free promo for yeah, apple
1: yeah and i said uh what what do you mean and she goes it's too hard to find anything and she's used to the ipad scrolling side to side to the screens well we installed a whole bunch of apps most of them were free things uh while we were getting the uh angry birds i mean i downloaded i got i uh, 25 30 different things right And the problem was the apps page was full. So I scrolled to the next page and the new apps weren't there either, but the touchpad said it was downloaded. So we went back and back and forth, back, couldn't find it. And then on a hunch, I scrolled and sure enough, there they were. They were off screen. I just had to scroll down to see them. And I thought, okay, you're using this left to right panes. To view stuff, but you're also using up and down. That's confusing. And Certainly coming from an iPad user, it would be almost anybody. If you've got tabs on the on the top of the screen and everything's laid out on a grid, you would think, okay, it's not on this page. I'll go to the next page, which is swiping, you know, left to right or right to left. But no, it wasn't there. So some things went to the next page. Others were on the same page, but you had to scroll down for it. Just goofy. Just inconsistencies and a clumsiness to the OS that, unfortunately, Android also suffers from, especially after reading some of the first reviews of the Fire. I really wanted to get a Fire. Eh, I think I'm going to hold off now. Um, your, your touches don't register every time. Uh, it's clumsy. It's clunky. It's not quite there. And $200 US isn't a lot of money, but if I'm going to drop $200 on something, I'm not saying it has to be as good as an iPad, but if you're going to bill yourself as uh, an alternate type of platform, it better work. Just, Just work. Just let me switch pages. Let me click something and you recognize I clicked something. And if it doesn't do the basic things like that, I think there's a problem there, Mark.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, the other problem I feel with competitors to the iPad is there's just too much diversity, even to the iPhone as well. If you look at, you know, every single week or every couple of weeks, there's a new Android phone that comes out that is just the best of the best. And, you know, Apple for 16 months had the iPhone 4 out before they upgraded to the 4S. Um, You know, do we really need... You know, in the Android community, to see all these new editions pumped out so frequently,
1: not only that quite frequently, if you have an older device, you cannot upgrade the o s
2: yeah I've heard about that that's um that's not very good at all or there's not exact or, or you've got to wait would I be correct in in the uh either the manufacturer or your telecommunications network providing the the update. Is that correct, Tim?
1: Yeah, that is. And I think that's going to be the downfall of that platform. People are going to become disenchanted. I think Google needs to tighten the reins, quite honestly. They need to say, if you're going to use our OS, this is the upgrade path for the software. And if you can't abide by that, then you can't use it. But they've kind of backed themselves in the corner by saying, "Oh, it's open."
2: I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they don't have, you know, sort of a central hub. Uh, you know, Windows does does this, uh, you know, where the updates are actually delivered by by Microsoft. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Google doesn't do the same with Android that they sort of allow everyone to put their own flavor on it.
1: Well, Android is more akin to Linux than it is Windows. A lot of people mm. want to say, well. It's the new Windows. No, if anything, it's the new Linux. And look how far that that went. <laughs> I mean, unless you're running a server software somewhere, chances are you've never looked at Linux, you've never used Linux, and you have no desire to use Linux. It, it sounds exotic. Once. Yeah, well, everybody's tried it once or twice, and then we use it for like an hour, and we're like, this is just shit. Why am I bothering? <laughs> I've got the Mac. Hell with this. And then you just delete it, and you move on, and you don't even think about it again. And people go, "Have you ever used Linux?" You go, "Oh yeah, I used it <laughs> for an hour. It sucked. <laughs> you know, nobody likes Linux." Do you know anybody who's like, "Oh, I'm a hardcore Linux user?"
2: I know a couple of people, but, but I bet they're, they're, they're hardcore, really, really geeks. hardcore geeks. Geeks, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, uh, I think that kind of answers that. <laughs> so Indeed. let's take our last break. We're we're going to run a little bit over than than normal, but I'm really into- enjoying talking with Mark. Uh, We're going to talk about businesses and their websites. We'll be right back. Excuse me, madam. Have you ever heard any podcasts that are just too long? They're all too long. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. Listen to the new App Minute with John Nemo. It's short. It's sweet. It'll knock you off your feet. Final segment, tech fan number 57. I'm Tim Robertson. He's Mark Greentree, the host of Not Another Mac Podcast on the Stoplight Network. See how smooth I was saying at that time, Mark? Perfect. I've been practicing in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Did it it sound as good in your head as it came out? Uh, Almost. Almost. So, (laughs) and I mention uh, the Technologizer website quite often on TechFan. It's because I'm a, uh, at least once a day I, I go up to Technologizer because I just think they're doing a fantastic job. And when Harry McCracken first launched that site within the first month, uh, we had him on the show. I, I think that was back in the my, my Mac days, uh, and then I believe I had him on OWC Radio, and I know I had him on Tech Fan as well. So, and, and I'm not going to say I'm, I'm real good friends with him or anything, but uh, I've talked to him a number of times on podcasts. Uh, I've invited him on, and he's accepted every single time I've invited him on. And I really, really dig the Technologizer website. They've got ethics. They write really well sometimes they'll break stories, but for the most part, the stuff they're writing about, especially when Harry himself's writing something, it's always an interesting topic. And he was talking about Virgin uh, Atlantic, the airline. Is it Virgin Atlantic? Am I getting that right? Virgin America? Might be Virgin America. Yeah. it's It's the Virgin company. And they switched over their reservation system. And the problem was it didn't work, Mark. And people were getting extremely frustrated. They weren't getting confirmations on flights that they booked. Um, Some people were getting multiple confirmations on flights they didn't book. Uh, It was a nightmare. The website didn't work. And in the article, you know what? Instead of trying to paraphrase it, I'm just going to bring it up here in my web browser because it deserves to be uh, repeated Exactly the way Harry wrote it and I think Harry actually did write this one if I'm not mistaken Uh, and I gotta scroll down a little bit no a little bit more boy he put a lot of stuff up there it's Virgin America by the way and uh, let me pull up his site and it was the last thing that he he put in here towards the bottom that really kind of piqued my interest if you will uh and he wrote i'm crossing he's talking about that the the ceo of the company told him by december 8th this is going to be up and running correctly and here he writes i'm crossing my fingers too the sites woes have made clear to me in a way i didn't quite understand that modern businesses of all sorts don't have websites to a remarkable degree they are websites and that kind of stuck with me mark um MyMac.com is a website. If our website goes down, we simply don't exist. And I think that's true for a lot of companies. Um, Obviously, you know, eBay, Amazon, duh, (laughs) if their website goes down, they don't exist. But I think it's also true for a lot of different types of companies. Banks, how many times... Do people use the bank's websites to do their transactions, to pay their bills, to move cash from one account to another, to check their balances? Um, Doctor's offices. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, Max Specialist, uh, the company that uh, I'm the COO at, Uh, I had an idea. This was two weeks ago. Yes. Two weeks ago, I'm in my shower. Uh, on a Tuesday morning, Mark, and I came up with an idea. Why don't we give the our customers the ability to, on our website, fill in the, all their information, tell us what's wrong with their computer, and pick the time they want to bring their computer in. And we'll call it speedy check-in. That way, when they come in with their computer that they want us to work on, they're already in the computer system, in our in our system. We already know what the problem is, We know what time, roughly, they're going to be coming in. We already have the machine serial number. 90% of the stuff that people are just waiting at the counter to do is already done. So they can get in and out of the store a lot quicker. And that's Mm -hmm. important to a lot of people. Now, we're, we're a relatively small company compared to somebody like Apple. But we changed our website over at the beginning of this year, and we went with WordPress, And some people ask, well, why would you go to WordPress? If you know, does that make sense for business? And I said, yeah, there's a lot of plugins in WordPress that will allow us to do a lot of different things, but more importantly, uh, a I'm familiar with WordPress because that's what all my websites run now and B it's going to be in my control, not some webmaster that I have to submit to and say, Hey, this is what we want to add functionality wise. So the whole idea of speedy check-in, Mark, would have taken probably a month of back and forth with our webmaster to get this implemented. Not that he's not any good, it's just that's how long it would take. Mm -hmm. With WordPress, by Tuesday night, we had it working and it was running. By Wednesday night, and by the way, Apple had actually come in on um, that Wednesday and Thursday. Um, we had a couple of big meetings at both of our stores with Apple. And I showed Apple the speedy check-in on Wednesday. At that point on Wednesday, we had already created a graphic. I mean, if you go to uh, MacSpecialist.com right now and click service, it's, and it's actually on our front page too, it says speedy check-in. That graphic and everything was created Wednesday morning. So within 48 hours, that page was completely done with a custom graphic that we created in-house, and customers were already using it. And it's been a runaway success for us, to be honest, Mark. I've already seen, I'm going to say 50 customers mm-hmm. use it, and we've never even advertised it to customers yet. That's fantastic. It It, it, and- it is, but it, it was just, if we didn't have that website, that wouldn't exist. No, and businesses definitely
2: need to consider which sort of platforms they use. You use, of course, WordPress, and it may not be suited for everyone. But, you know, you're able to do that in-house yourself. You don't necessarily need great creative skills to put it together. It's uh, You know, you pick up a template and then you just add stuff to it. It's and, ambiguous uh, at
1: this point, isn't it? I mean, it, it
2: fairly much is. I, you know, of course, there's going to be some businesses, you know, Apple, banks, uh, you know insurance companies and so forth that will always need something more powerful that they can control uh, rather than say WordPress or something, but suddenly a, a small business or even small to medium business that's uh, supplying, I suppose more information than e commerce uh, can't go wrong with WordPress that's no, for sure it
1: works. That's absolutely right but even today, if I can't find a website for a company. And I'll give you another example. There's a uh, home improvement store called Menards. And I haven't checked it recently, but if we were looking for an item, we already knew what the item was. We're not going shopping. We're going to buy something. And we want to know what the price is. There's a good five or six stores in our immediate vicinity that we know carry these devices, whatever it is, whether it's we want to replace a toilet or... faucet we want to get some ideas we don't want to just go to the store and just start looking at stuff we wanted to have an idea of price and you know all that before we got there every website that we went to had a really good search feature or you could at least go to home improvement and bathroom and fixtures and there they are right except menards if you went to the menards website all they had was a link to their weekly ad And I tell you what, they lost a lot of business from me over the years because I couldn't use their website to find what I was looking for. And to me, that's a company that's just extremely short-sighted. In today's day and age, if you're running a business and you don't have a website, you don't exist, Mark, to a huge number of of your potential customers.
2: Definitely. Well, you know, every bricks and mortar store would have maybe a a 50 to 100 mile or kilometer radius whichever country you're in um, and you know outside of that people aren't going to necessarily be able to give you a call and say listen can i get you to ship this to me i'm happy to pay shipping rates or you know if they if you don't apply e-commerce uh, to even you know some of the range then people right across the country or right across the world can't gain access you know i'm one of these people who import a lot of stuff from online businesses in the u.s and the uk and you know i couldn't do that without them having high quality websites that make it really easy for me to find and get better deals than i can locally
1: you know a service like yelp as an example allows people to post online reviews about any business And if I go to somebody's website and it's kind of an anemic website, you know, it's just like one page and it's their address and their location and a few other things they do and that's it. But I Google search to find it and I see a Yelp listing. I'll always look at the Yelp listing and if it's terrible reviews, guess who's not getting my business. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're not active online as a company... From both a social media standpoint from uh, an inventory lookup on their website to a contact page where I know I there's their email address I can send something in and it says right here they respond within twelve hours or whatever it is um, if they don't have those basic things increasingly I'm not shopping at that business I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And I tell you one of the things that's really been uh, a boon for me uh just recently is these companies that will allow you to buy something online and then pick it up at the store rather than just yeah, shipping I like it that to feature. you. That's a fantastic feature. It really is. Um a lot of them now are using the the biggest companies out there are allowing you to use PayPal. And you can just buy it online and go to the store and pick it up here's my receipt oh yep here you go Uh, i did that just recently at target bought something online um went there they handed it to me and i walked out i mean i was just they could have shipped it to me and i could have got it you know three or four days later but i wanted it that day and i kind of wanted to use my paypal account to pay for it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know no cash out of my pocket and boom yeah, it makes you feel good there's no guilt associated when you do it that PayPal, way PayPal money is almost like pretend money for me sometimes it's, it's yeah. not real money uh, it is but you know what I mean um, last thing before we wrap this up have you seen uh, the, the story circulating about Apple they have a new web app or they new ha- have a new app for, their, for the iPhone Mm-hmm. That allows you to scan in a barcode and it will pay for it out of your pay or out of your uh, iTunes account in the Apple stores.
2: I've heard of it, um, and you can just pretty much walk out of the store with the product no, in hand. No, like pretty correct, much. Or?
1: No, pretty much about it. Absolutely. Uh, I was at uh, Apple t- three weeks ago when this was no two weeks ago when this was a product that. Um they just pretty much released a couple of days before. And I was in this uh, real animated conversation with the store manager at this particular Apple store in the back room. And I said, hey, let me ask you about this app. I have read something about this online, but I really didn't follow up. I haven't had the time. And he started laughing. He goes, what do you want to know? And I said, my understanding is I could walk in here, walk up to, say, an iPhone case, use this app to scan it, check it out on my iPhone using my iTunes account and walk out of the store? And he was like, right. And I went, well, how do you know that I actually did that? And he says, well, we've got the tracking thing and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but th- there's no, it, this is weird. Th- th- there doesn't seem to be enough checks and balances in this. And he goes, well, you know, um, we trust our customers, A, which is kind of refreshing oh to hear. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you're going to lose some stuff to, to shoplifting. That's just going to happen. Yeah. But they think <clears throat> that this is kind of going to be the wave of the future. And you know what? Honestly, I think it might be.
2: Um, I think perhaps maybe they just need to come up with custom uh, barcodes or, or something for each individual product that's got an, an individual ID that then maybe desensitized as a security seal and, and then the alarm won't go off as you well, walk you, out in the sensible way
1: and you can't walk out with anything that's a serialized product i.e. something that has a serial number like i don't mm-hmm. know an air or an airport anything expensive let's say anything over 50 bucks that has a serial number uh you could buy it but you st- you still have to be checked out mm-hmm. but for the simple things like cases and cables and speakers and stuff like that nope you can just walk in, scan it with your iPhone with a uh, Apple Store app and walk right out. I mean, that's amazing. That's something that we've always theorized about. Of course, I always thought it would be you just put whatever you want in your your basket, walk out of the store and it just the RF tags just automatically deduct it from your savings of your checking account, right? or mm-hmm. charges it automatically to your credit card, you just walk out of the store. There's no lines. You just get what you want and walk out. There's a security guard, so you know if you're getting close to the doors, it reads that you've never checked out this yet, so they'll stop you. But other than that, yeah, boom, gone. You're done. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's probably what's going to happen. Now I'm not so sure that it's going to be RF tags. I think you're just going to scan stuff with your phone. I think that's pretty, pretty amazing technology. And I, I can't imagine anybody else trying this outside Apple. Can you?
2: I don't, well, I don't think anyone's really got the the retail space uh, worldwide to actually give this a shot either. True. Um, you know, of course, you've got big companies and, and so forth, the, the K-marts and the Walmarts and so forth all over the world. But, the you know, the manufacturer who then produces the products, who then sells it onto the retailer... I don't know of anyone else who's actually doing that, you know, every single step of the process. So it's certainly different.
1: It's different. And I'm going to say this again, and this is going to be the name of the show. It's magical. It's, magical. it's just <laughs> magic, man. To be able to just use your phone and walk out. Don't even have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. That that It's amazing. And it's a magical device. These These little computers that we're carrying around with us, are magic right now. They're in their infancy, and I love being along for the ride, Mark, to see where this is all going.
2: Yeah, and we don't know. You know, we can hypothesize and, until the end of time, but until Apple releases the next product and then the next one and the next one, we don't really have a clue what's coming. It's
0: and Mark, I don't, I don't want incredible.
2: it to
1: just be Apple either. We need a lot no, more innovation. We need more innovation in the technology fields. We need Sony to make better video games. We need Microsoft to make a better OS. Android Mm -hmm. needs to be a better platform. The, The Kindle Fire needs to be silky smooth and just work. That's what we need. And I don't know. It just seems like Apple's the only one who gets that. Maybe it's just their DNA, but... I just I so want more companies to make just just killer products, Mark. Just blow me away, killer products. That's what I want.
2: Absolutely, and look, if they don't, the innovation is going to slow down at Apple. You know, if they don't have to continually beat the competition, uh, you know, then there's not as much of a reason to innovate other than sort of wanting to do it for themselves. I totally agree.
1: So, Mark, where can people find you online?
2: Well, I make it very easy. I've got an a about.me page. So you just go to about.me forward slash Mark Green and that'll have access to uh, everything. If you want to uh, check out my reviews on myMac.com, uh, just have a look on myMac.com. Usually there's uh, a review on, on the
1: front page somewhere. And you're pretty active on the Twitter.
2: Oh, definitely on, on Twitter uh, with username EverydayMac.
1: If you want to reach TechFan... Uh, feedback at mymac.com or just simply tim at mymac.com. Either one of those will come right to me. Or you can leave a message and we will play your audio recordings right here on the show. You can call 1 801 938 5559. We'd love to hear your take. Do you think we're living in a magical time? Do you think that the products that we're all talking about are getting a bad rap because people just don't appreciate what we have now? <laughs> Or do you think all these criticisms are fair? We'd love to hear your feedback on that. Make sure you check out all the shows in the Stoplight Network. Go to stoplightnetwork.com. You'll find a link to all of the shows. It'll take you right to iTunes, and you can subscribe. And we're going to have more shows, I hope, coming into the network as time goes on. And, of course, listen to Tech Fan to get all the latest and greatest Stoplight Network news. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on this week. Really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me you know, as a
2: guest, it was wonderful
1: You know, I, I love having this one-on-one dialogue uh, with somebody I-, I like it when it's even more people too but just the one-on-one I-, I really like and this is really, I think, our first time we've ever had a strictly one-on-one conversation Yeah, it is It was my pleasure it was to magical. have you It was <laughs> magical There. <laughs> 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 it was my pleasure to talk to you this week, Mark Thanks